0: Hey coaches, I'm just going to pop in here really fast because I want to share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach, is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right now. So here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration, and I honestly didn't even know that was something I was going to have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare, and I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me. (laughs) But things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. Basically, I started coaching with confidence. I've collected all the processes and tools that I used to do this work and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com. Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. coaches and welcome to episode 69. I am Chrissy Beltran, your host of Buzzing With This Be The Coaching Podcast. And today I am talking to my friend, Laura Williams of Downriver Resources. Laura is a traveling instructional coach. She has been a campus coach, but right now she's a traveling coach. And she is going to share with us her approach to creating simple hand, like really basic and really purposeful systems for keeping track of all the stuff she has to keep track of as a traveling coach. A lot of these systems are going to be relevant to you if you're a campus coach too. I was primarily a campus coach. I do a little bit of traveling now, but not too much. Um, whenever I work with schools, I don't have the same kind of long-term work with schools that Laura does. And so our approach is a little bit different. So I definitely want you to listen into this one, whether you're a traveling coach or a campus coach, because I think that even just having the dialogue about these systems is going to help you think about some things that you can bring into your own coaching um, systems that are help you help, that will help you stay organized, and not waste time on the stuff that takes up so much of our time, looking for stuff, figuring out what happened to things, <laughs> Fig- uh, solving problems on the go instead of having a system in place for them. So this episode, I think, is going to be really important for anybody as they're setting up their cl- their coaching space this year or setting up their coaching systems this year. And even if you're listening to this throughout the year, we can always re like take another look at our coaching systems and figure out what's working and what do we need to change. Plus, you're going to want to visit the show notes for this episode because I have a free download for you that is going to help you get organized. I have some coaching organizational forms that are perfect for keeping track of some of those things that we just have to keep track of as coaches. So I want you to head to the show notes for this episode. That's going to be buzzingwithmissb.com episode 69. And you can get a free download by scrolling down and entering your email address. And they are the coaching organizational forms. It's a nice... Um, collection of forms for you, and they're free. So definitely grab them if you love those forms, or if you want to just jump right in, you can get all of my organizational forms in the instructional coaching binder mega pack. Check it out at my store. That's buzzing with Miss B or Chrissy Beltron. You can search for either one on TeachersPayTeachers.com, and you will be able to get access to. You will be able to get the the actual product. I mean, it's a big one. It's got lots of forms in there. It has tons of tools to make your coaching work easier and more organized and to simplify your coaching life. And the best part is they are available as editable forms where you can actually fill in the information yourself on your computer and as Google forms. Well, they're not Google forms. They're forms in Google Slides, and you can you know share them with teachers that need to see your your note taking or anything like that. So check out that resource. That's the Instructional Coaching Binder Mega Pack. It includes fifteen different styles of calendars and little notes to teachers too. So check that resource out in TPT. And if you're not ready to jump all the way in that, grab the free coaching organizational forms at the bottom of the show notes um, on, on the blog, which is slash sixty nine. And today I'm welcoming my guest Laura Williams of Downriver Edu to join us and talk about systems that help her stay organized as a traveling coach. Now, I am not, I I was not a traveling coach. I was a campus coach and now I do a bit of traveling, but it's not really long distance. And so Laura has more experience in this area. So between the two of us, I think we're going to be doing a pretty good job of covering the systems that are going to help you be prepared for managing your coaching work this year. Things that you'll be glad you set up in advance so that you can have the best possible year as an instructional coach, and you won't be scrambling all the time to figure out your systems as you go. So I'm really looking forward to this podcast. I think it's timely if you're listening to it in real time, but I also think it's valuable if you're listening to it at any point throughout the year, because our systems can always use some work. So without further ado, I want to welcome Laura to the podcast. So welcome, Laura, to the podcast. Thanks so much, Chrissy, for having me. I'm really glad that you're joining us today because I'm looking forward to the insight that you're going to give on a role that a lot of coaches have to perform, but are not really told how to do so, do this. So I'm really excited about that. Um, could you introduce yourself, yourself to our listeners and talk a little bit about who you are, how you ended up doing the work that you're doing, and what kind of work you focus on right now? Yes, absolutely. I am a wife
1: and a mother of two, and I am proud to be an instructional coach. I have been an instructional coach for the last seven years after being an elementary classroom teacher. I've taught kindergarten, first grade, second grade throughout all the way up to fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And I've also been a science lab director as well. And um, my expertise and experience bouncing around through all of the grade levels has definitely helped me become a better instructional coach as I can relate to all the different teachers in the various grade levels. Her. And currently I'm a traveling instructional coach. And what that means is I have a home base in El Paso, Texas, but I work for a rural school district that does not have the internal access to an instructional support on their campus. So mm-hmm. I am kind of an outsource to me to come and visit their campus. hmm.
0: Yeah, that's, um, I think that's so interesting, because we actually worked together. Um, first of all, whenever I was an instructional coach, and you were a campus teacher, and then you got moved very suddenly <laughs> at the beginning of the school year from one grade to the other. Um, from I uh, was it was it first to fifth grade or kinder to fifth, it was like about- first, first grade, okay. my
1: dream job of being a first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. And then was suddenly told after 14 days uh, that I got promoted to fifth
0: grade. Yeah, Yeah, it was two weeks of your dream job. And then I'm (laughs) going to guess, I don't know how many other, like probably about 40 weeks of not your dream job.
1: It was definitely a challenge, but it has definitely, uh, that was a move that I would have never done on my own. And it mm -hmm. helped tremendously in my work
0: now. Well, I believe that for sure. For one, your resources, you know, you start, you create resources that serve a variety of grade levels. So I'm sure that experience has really helped. And then also, of course, in coaching, The more experience you have under the belt, your belt, the the easier it is to walk into a classroom and know what you're looking at.
1: (laughs) And I think a lot of people, there's been a lot of talk on the internet lately of teachers swapping from a primary teacher and bumping up to an upper elementary teacher and everyone gets so nervous and panicked. And I can totally relate to that situation because I think I cried for about the same 14 days that I had my dream job Uh when I got promoted to fifth grade. But it's really um, an eye-opening experience. And when you have the opportunity to go back to primary, you are just so much a better teacher for that experience because you know the trajectory that
0: those students are Mm -hmm. going to be on. Yeah, yes, that's really valuable insight. So what does your coaching work look like now? You mentioned that you're a traveling coach and that you serve in a rural school, rural school district. And um, I'm wondering what roles you serve and how you meet teachers needs in that role. Okay, so my
1: work is mostly grant based. So the school applies for a grant, they receive the funding, and then I am charged with the mission to carry out that work. And so every year based on the different programs, my role looks very different. Mm -hmm. One year I can be working with um, new teachers, kindergarten through 12th grade, and the following year I can be working on a literacy program increasing student achievement. And you have to be very flexible in that um, position, mm-hmm. but I think instructional coaches in general are very flexible. Mm-hmm. That's um, great, Yes, and with the specific role that I do, there's a lot of paperwork attached because of the grant funding and so it's very important that I try to organize my chaos as much as possible Mm -hmm. in carrying out this role. I primarily coach teachers on site at their school campus so I use a coaching cycle coaching model where I would model lessons for teachers. I observe teachers And I also plan and deliver
0: professional development on the campus as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, Yeah, I think whenever you are in and out that way, organization is essential because you can walk back in and you really are like, wait, what what was I doing? Where was things? How how, how did this work? Um, It's it's a very different feel than whenever you're on a campus all the time. And following up on, on your work is so important in instructional coaching. And when you're on a campus, it's like more front and center in your face uh, as a campus coach. You know, I can speak to that. It's, it's you, you see the people that you're following up with in the hallway. You know, it's, it's constant. But when you are not, um, when you're traveling and you're there for a certain number of days and you come back, you know, a certain amount of time later, being able to, to refer back to that work that you've done is so essential because if not, that learning is kind of lost if nobody ever comes back to it.
1: Yes, at some years I'm on multiple campuses too. Mm-hmm. So I think I had a conversation with the administrator. Well, that was the administrator in oh, yeah. a totally different region than I was working at at the time. So um, keeping very detailed
0: notes is very important. Yes, that sounds, that sounds important. Um, so what are some of the routines that have helped you stay organized and create a flow to your work, even like, because it could feel disjointed. So how are you, how do you kind of counteract that? yes.
1: When thinking about this, the most important thing that I've learned in my seven years of coaching is knowing exactly what I'm tasked to do first. Mm -hmm. I have to be 100% responsible for some type of goal that the campus is trying to achieve. And not only understanding that goal is important, but what the expectation is of the administrator. Oftentimes my role is defined initially at a district level, but then when that's received at a campus level, it looks a lot different to the administrator that's carrying out the actual work in the classrooms with teachers and students. Mm -hmm. So knowing what exactly I'm tasked to do is essential. And then I organize my routines around that task. And then that cycle of just checking back often to make sure that I'm interpreting my role um, correctly to suit the needs of the campus um, is important. And also the coaching style, you know, now we're getting to a point in instructional coaching where it's being written about and talked about through like right here on your podcast. Mm -hmm. And there's different styles and expectations for that as well. And I think having that clear vision as well as the coaching style to carry that out is essential. And that really puts me on a course to be successful.
0: Mm -hmm. So you start out with a real strong understanding of what your role is going to be to serve what goal. And then you kind of work from there, you work into, okay, well, this is what I'm going to need to accomplish based on this goal. And this is how I'm going to do it. Like you create like a plan, a PD plan and a follow-up plan. Yes. Correct. Okay. And it all, it
1: all goes back to that beginning. It just reminds me of like teaching begin with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And that's the same exact principle that applies to our instructional coach work as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you are, I'm just thinking about this, um, this plan that you're putting together, how do you, Can you talk a little bit about how you go about creating that or what that might, I know know it's going to look different for every school and every goal, um, but what are some of the things that you think about, like practically, logistically and, you know, organizationally that help you put that together?
1: Yes. One of the big pieces in my work revolves around data. And so I am looking specifically at where the school is at and where we want to be at, and then what are the needs to meet that goal? And my big thing is just increasing student achievement. And that is that that's our big focus.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you have a regular I'm just curious in in one uh, when one school, let's say, do you have a regular time that you meet with teachers that you would consider like a regular PLC, like once a month where you look at data? Or do you have to kind of work around the school calendar and be more flexible and schedule, you know, around events that they have and stuff?
1: Yes. It's a, it's very (laughs) flexible because I'm typically at a campus anywhere from one day a month to Mm -hmm. three days a month. Okay. At the most I've ever been at a campus is five days a month. And that's usually a month like January where there's built-in professional development or October where there's built-in professional development. Mm -hmm. Those are the, the seasons of the year where I'm on campus more. And that's usually because of that secondary arch or, um, secondary umbrella of my work where I'm planning and facilitating the professional
0: development. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So I'm wondering, like, I know that as a campus coach, I had a list of of tasks that I did daily, weekly, and monthly to kind of keep my head straight. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. It's February. It's a new month. I need to go through and do X, Y, Z. If, do you have something like that, that transfers to your, um, your, your, uh, Traveling coaching, or and if you do, can you give us an idea of what that looks like? Yes, absolutely. So, I do break down my
1: tasks Mm -hmm. in daily, weekly, and monthly chunks. And being away from the campus, email is essential. That is how I communicate with all of my teachers. And also through text messages, it's really easy for them to text me that they need something, and I can send it via email uh, to be in their inbox by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But daily, Always my task, whether I'm at home, working from home, or if I'm on the road, is checking my email and communicating. And that also works for campus coaches as well. When I am on campus, um, for the days of the week that I'm on campus, one of my tasks is walking through the halls. I just absolutely love being present. I want the teachers to see my face. I want to create those relationships with the students too, because oftentimes I'm modeling lessons in their classrooms and I want to have a rapport with the community as a whole, not just with the teachers that I'm serving. Mm -hmm. And that's also a great opportunity for relationship buildings, checking in with everyone in the hallway, but then also kind of reminding, hey, I'm on campus today, you know, or, if the teacher has something that they know is pending and they have a question or need to say something, walking the halls gives them that opportunity and opens that door for them. Mm-hmm. And then weekly, Um, just making sure that I'm checking in with all of my teachers. There are often weeks that I'm not on campus, so I make Mm -hmm. sure to send a personal email to every single teacher on my list, and sometimes that's a copy and paste standard that I go through and just personalize as I go um, to make it easier for me to batch my work, but then also um, gives that teacher, you know, wow, you know, Mrs. Williams is thinking of me and, and we're in connection. And if anything needs to happen and weekly, I do that on a campus that I serve full-time. Also, you, you check in with your grade level. Maybe you have a grade level leader or with um, the teachers individually. And then my monthly tasks are a lot of paperwork. I have to do a lot of travel forms. I get reimburse for my mileage. Mm -hmm. And I do that all on a monthly basis because it's just easier for me to sit down and get my calendar out. These were the days that I drove my mileage log and get all of those things done at once. And then personally, I like to do a little reflection and I do that, um, just for myself so that I can reflect on my work because a reflective practitioner, just, you can be more successful as you, um, Just look at yourself and what were the things that you want to be positive about
0: or the things that you need to stay positive about. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, That's interesting to think about. Yeah. Whenever you're following up with teachers and so you've done some work with them, you know, one week, one day out of the month, and then the following week you're following up with them and saying, how is this going? Like what kind of, what is going into those emails that you're using to check in on teachers?
1: Yes, it's very much. Um, these are some of the commitments that we talked about. These were the next steps. This is where I am in the next step. I told you I would get you this and hey, I sent it. Did you have a chance to look at it? Um, very much just going through, um, like with our coaching cycle, where are we in the cycle? And then um you know, what were the things that I promised you and what are the things that you, you verbally committed to as well. Mm -hmm. And it, again, it just opens the door and sometimes you receive a response and sometimes you don't, but I always leave at the end of the week knowing that I,
0: I checked in with everyone. Right. Everybody had the opportunity to respond to that. Yeah. Yes. Um, One of the interesting tools that somebody, it was, um, Stephanie Afanito, I think, from Afanito lit shared with me is that she uses, um, Voxer as, as a tool for communicating with teachers whenever she's away. Cause she also does some traveling coach work. And she was saying that she has found that it's really helpful because you leave little video, I mean, little audio clips for each other. Um, and sometimes like if you're in the middle of a coaching cycle with, you might not do it for all the teachers, you know, it'd be a lot, but, um, If you're in the middle of a coaching cycle with a teacher, you can leave your little audio clip. You can, you know, oh, I had an idea, I thought of you, and it's kind of quick and it's something they can listen to and then verbally respond back to. So that was kind of a cool tool that she she shared that I had used, but not in that way. Um, Wow, that's neat. Yeah, I thought it was really cool, and it's free app. You can get it, um, you know, on your phone, and I think they have a paid version, and you could send longer audio clips, but the free one lets you send, I think up to two minutes. One time I didn't know it cut you off at two minutes. And I talked for a while longer than that. <laughs> and then I was Well, like, you always oh, learn the no. lesson. <laughs> yes, I did. I will always remember that it does cut you off. It's either two minutes or one, I think it's two. Um, but I have used it for other things for coordinating like group events and stuff, but I had never used it. It didn't even occur to me to use it in the middle of a coaching cycle with a teacher. So that might be a, a fun tool to try out too. So what are some of the systems that you use that have helped you keep track of all the different kinds of responsibilities that you have? So for example, one of the things that I did is really simple but I kept a log of when I visited teachers classrooms. It's just a table and had their names down the side and the dates that I visited Because I knew that way, I knew when I last checked in with each teacher. Whenever I had visited the room, whether that was for an observation or you know just a pop in, or um, I could you know I had separate documents for those. And that way, I knew I wasn't like leaving anybody out. Sometimes you visit a classroom and they're out at lunch and you're like oh shoot I missed them or they're at the library or they're whatever is going on and you know they're trying to put out a fire and you're like okay maybe I'll come back later and if you don't have a note of that you don't realize you've missed the same classroom like four weeks in a row <laughs> so that was helpful for me you know I knew me yes. me plan my week when I was coming I was like okay I need to touch base with this teacher so what mm-hmm. are the systems that you use to keep track of of some of these different responsibilities that you have
1: Well, there's two tools that are essential for me in my role. Mm -hmm. And one is depending on what my responsibility is or what my job looks like that year, I'll either use a notebook or a binder. Mm -hmm. And that is where I keep all of all of my information. I'm very much a paper and pencil type of person when it comes to my coaching, I am not dependent upon my computer yet. And I think that's just because of the traveling. It's, I don't really have an office at the campuses that I visit. So I can always just have that in my tote bag when I'm traveling. And it's, it's just much easier for me. Mm -hmm. And in that notebook and binder, I have different sections and at smaller campuses, I'm able to have a section for every single teacher in the binder, or you could have it organized by grade levels. And then I also have a master list. It reminds me of an old fashioned grade book, just like you're saying. Right. It would be called a table with the teacher's names on the left side and then across the top um open where I can write in the dates where I'm visiting. Mm-hmm. And that's also nice when I've popped into classrooms. Um, even if I go into the classroom and the teacher's not there, I will also make the note mm-hmm. in that document because i found, you know, in coaching, you realize that you have collaborative teachers, cautious teachers, hesitant teachers, and reluctant teachers. And sometimes there's a pattern of behavior <laughs> that is helpful to us. <laughs> identify, I mean, it hurts the soul a little bit to identify those patterns, but, um, sometimes there's always a teacher that you happen to be in the library at the moment you right. come in, regardless
0: yeah. of the time of day. Yeah. It's magical for how long we've spent in the library <laughs> sometimes, but yeah, totally. <laughs> I've, I've absolutely had that experience. And that's kind of what I was thinking of with whenever I was thinking about like explaining my own log same experience is that those those people that you know you visit their rooms every day you think you're coming during reading time because that's what you're there to see that day and for whatever reason reading never happens during that time because they know that's when you're coming so yeah absolutely (laughs) if you haven't
1: had one of those experiences it's it's down the road for you for sure Yeah,
0: good good for you if you haven't to this point that's great (laughs) (laughs) So that master list is really
1: essential. And one thing that I do in my job a lot is collaborate with the administrative team and they want to know which teachers are being collaborative. Mm -hmm. And so that's very helpful too, to have that log and it it's proof too, you know, we're paying you to be a coach on this campus and I want to see where you've been and what you've done. So it's Mm -hmm. also, um, documentation to protect yourself also. Mm -hmm. But in that notebook that I was talking about, I have different sections for each teacher and that's where I keep like the running list of everything that I've done. If I've done an observation, I'll take the notes in that section. So everything is in its place and I don't have to scrounge around my bag and try to find it. It all has a home in there and that works really well for me. And it, you know, if I'm at different campuses, one notebook for each campus to keep it as organized as possible or the binder, depending on what your, your preferences. I really am liking the notebook personally. Mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah, I was a big, um, you, you might even remember because probably your students had to bring it back to me 800 times. Cause I would always forget my stuff in everybody's room. And then kids would follow me down the hall. Miss Beltran, you forgot your stuff. Um, But (laughs) I was, I always had my calendar, my notebook with me and I had a binder in my room, my, my coaching space um, where I would record, like I kept records for each teacher there as well. But my notebook was kind of like my notes to self. Notebook, I guess. I was like yes. with my thinking and my note-taking during PD for myself and my planning and just like really, you know, it was like a brain dump sometimes. It was a to-do list. All of my stuff went in there. And then I had a binder that was organized by grade level and then by teacher. So I could record all my documentation for each teacher about what support they received and that kind of thing in, in that binder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very helpful. Super helpful because yeah, sometimes you do have to justify the work you're doing, and yes. even just for yourself, like you're saying, you have to go back to notice those patterns. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't have it anywhere in one spot where you can notice the patterns, then you're you're missing out on a lot of of possible observations there. Um, and I'm a paper pencil person as well when it comes to coaching, and I use technology for lots of things. Um, yes, I use Google Forms and. Google Docs. And I I mean, I'm comfortable with them. You know, I plan the podcast using Google Sheets, but for whatever reason, when it comes to like note-taking, I want to write it down with my hands. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so that specifically, I feel like when I type things out, they are not as meaningful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why I prefer, but everybody has a different preference. Some people completely operate on, um, you know, like using Google Drive as their as their main hub, you know. And that's it's amazing to me because to me it's it's so it feels impersonal to me, but that's but other people don't don't enjoy the paper pencil thing. So it's it's funny.
1: Talking about the notebook
0: though and calendar, those are like the
1: two essential tools that I tell any new instructional coach that have to be like your cell phone, you know, right carry around our cell phone. And if we leave it down for one second, we are looking and you know, scouring the house, looking for where we put that phone. And for me, having my notebook and my calendar is the same thing. Mm -hmm. I have to have that with me at all times because I never know when a teacher is going to suggest something, um, need something, and I need to write it down because that's a trust building exercise. You're telling me you need something and I need to fulfill that. And I need to remember to fulfill that. But when I'm on the way to the bathroom, the most urgent situation is not your request. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, you know, I'm still thinking about my diet Coke that it needs to, you know? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I agree. That's, that was always my recommendation to new coaches as well. A calendar and a notebook. You need to have a source, a place for everything. I know some coaches who coach like with a myriad of sticky notes, and I don't know how that works. (laughs) You, I mean, I'll write things on a sticky note and then stick them in my notebook or stick them in the calendar where they belong. Like, you know, in that Mm -hmm. time frame, but I just the actual, like the mess of the notes and just everything's everywhere. Things get lost and things would even get lost. I know I didn't follow through on things sometimes just because of the nature of, of work, you know, things slip through the cracks and you don't remember it until a month later, even though you wrote it down. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can't imagine if I hadn't had that system those very, very basic system, um, how much more I would have forgotten. about. Yes. And I think having those systems, it's important,
1: but then you also have to have pause points. That's what I call them. And it's when I'm working, I designate a time where I'm going to go through my calendar and through my notebook and make sure that I've done the pending things that needed get done. Mm -hmm. And my pause points are usually right before lunch. And then at the end of the day too, because those are the two times where I am intentional about stopping. Mm -hmm. And that calendar, you know, a lot of um, coaches ask me, like, do you have a calendar separate from work than your personal calendar? And I prefer to have, one calendar for everything, mm-hmm. kind of like a life calendar. It's my work commitments as well as my personal commitments. Because let's face it, even though we are instructional coaches, we are wives, we are mothers, we, we have lots of other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And if I schedule, you know, if I schedule to travel on one day, but I'm responsible for childcare that day, right. I'm in a bind. Mm -hmm. And even with that calendar scheduling, um, my lunch break is essential on my daily when I'm traveling, because I want to give the same commitment of attention to the first teacher that I see during the day, Mm -hmm. as well as I want that same attention and focus on the last teacher that I see. Mm -hmm. So stopping for me and having lunch, even though I'm only on campus for that one day or those couple of days a month is essential and even more so when there is like a delicious Mexican cafe directly <laughs> off the street from your campus. Right. There's a red enchilada plate and an iced tea <laughs> just sitting on the table waiting for you, Chrissy. I mean, how can you not schedule
0: lunch? You, you know? need to make time for lunch. Lunch is important. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I, I was I'm terrible at that. Terrible, but I, I totally agree that it is essential. But I also don't have a Mexican cafe across the street. So maybe that's a problem.
1: Well, you know, that's, that's an incentive. (laughs) But really, you know, the old, the older I get, let me tell you Mm -hmm. here, the older that I get, the more essential I see like the break, having a break, having a moment to myself, making sure I have some calories in my system, because Mm -hmm. when I don't, I just don't function as well. You know, it's just like the people who are coffee connoisseurs. You got to have that coffee first thing in the morning or you're just not going to be productive. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I really like what you mentioned about pause points. And I, I totally agree. I would do that as a campus coach as well. Like every week, I would take a look back at all the stuff I had written all week because it's just so much stuff. And then things like you already forgot, which on Thursday, you don't even know what you talked about on Monday. So I would look mm-hmm. back and I had my running to-do list and I'm like, okay, I can mark some things off. I need to move some things over to a new to-do list now because <laughs> yes. this list is going to carry over to next week. Um, these are items that these are things I want to think about. Like I literally would have a page that would be like things to think about. <laughs> and mm-hmm. If I didn't go back and look at it, I would never think about those things. So you do want to designate that time when you have it every so often. And I, if I like the idea of scheduling it in to make sure that you're actually, you know, you're, we're writing these things down for a reason. Are we following up mm-hmm. um, and are we accomplishing those things that we're supposedly saying are really, they're important enough to write down in the moment, but they need to be important enough to look back at later.
1: Well, instructional coaching is so crazy. And like that, you run in the hallway and and you find out a new job or a new responsibility or, hey, we're having a a PD day and we need you to to fill in and come up with the training. And by the way, that's next week. Mm -hmm. You know, so I like to say it takes real planning to organize this
0: kind of chaos. Yes, it does. You gotta, (laughs) I I feel better when I control what I can. Yes. And I control what I can through planning. And then that way, at least I know, I'm ready for what I know about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then things I don't know about, at least there's not as much that I have to scramble on, you know? Yes. So, what about organizational systems like paper documents? Um, So, like, whenever I was a campus coach, Um, I had a dedicated place that people would turn in certain documents and it was labeled because if not, teachers like throw them at you or leave them in your box or, you know, wherever they're just random places around your room when you come back in. So I had a dedicated place to have things turned in. And then I had, you know, a filing system where I would mark off what I received and then file it by teacher. Um, What organizational systems have helped you stay on, on top of things that you have to manage from your teachers?
1: I travel with a plastic file box mm-hmm. in my, the, the back of the SUV and that lives in there on travel days and most other days, unless I <laughs> really am going on a shopping spree or something, <laughs> extra space, but that um, really keeps all of my papers organized and basically is my traveling filing cabinet. Yeah. And it, It ensures that anything that I'm expecting my teachers to do, Mm -hmm. like let's say we're doing a training and it's a vocabulary training and we have all these templates that we're going to use and lessons we're imploring and a teacher loses the template while I'm on campus or needs Mm -hmm. an extra copy, I can go out to the car and grab that out of my file box and have it ready for them. Mm -hmm. And And that same file box or a smaller version of my file box, I have for every professional development session that I have. Mm -hmm. I have file folders with the topic and all of the papers that go with that. You know, I'm gonna do a card sort to introduce a new skill and strategy. Mm -hmm. All of the envelopes with the card sort are in the file folder. And then I have the next file folder for the next activity. And I am just sequenced for the entire professional development session throughout that file box. And that has really ensured that I stick to my agendas that I plan and am able to work through them sequentially. Mm -hmm. So the file box is essential for my paper documents. Most of the other things that happen where teachers are giving me lesson plans to review or, Mm -hmm. or things that we're collaborating on is usually sent via email. So I don't have a lot of paper, um, in between, Mm -hmm. but I do have like, like at a campus, you would have the file box at the door. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, like box. a little. Yeah, I know what you're talking. You know, about. Like the box at the door, deposit box. Oh, yeah, like a little mailbox, kind of. Yeah. Yes, thank you. A mailbox at <laughs> the door. We're both gesturing. We're both making a gesture that you cannot see right now, <laughs> but it's as if we were putting a little piece of mail in a vertical mailbox, like a little file folder box. It's like those. What are they called? It's like the wall-mounted file plastic box, right? <laughs> Yes, exactly.
1: I wish I wish your audience could see that our hands are in unison
0: putting the paper into the box. This is why it's hard to do a podcast. Instead <laughs> of a video, but you also don't have to like look nice, so it's also like it, it's got its bonuses for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So that so, that's where you so, like you're not available. They've dropped stuff off in your little box.
1: Yes. And okay. then the next time I pass through, hey, Mrs. Williams, there's a catalog that came in that we mm. think you would be interested in or <laughs> there's this random paper you left in the library. Uh-huh. It all goes in that that mysterious
0: box. Yeah, whatever gesturing. they're called. <laughs> I'm sure someone knows what they're called. <laughs> you're going to get a lot of comments uh, about, the <laughs> about this. Yes. And where I can find one. And yeah, <laughs> here's my affiliate link. <laughs> right. That's what I was picturing. <laughs> um, yeah. I like that. The traveling uh, file folder, I think is really great. Are there any other like, um, like purchases that you've made that have been really helpful because I'm like, I'm not a big, I don't buy a lot of stuff. But sometimes you buy the one thing, you're like, oh my gosh, how was I doing this job before I bought this thing? So you know? I, was thinking, I was thinking about my coaching essentials. Like if yeah. I could tell you these are my coaching essentials,
1: <laughs> best recommended by Laura Williams. Mm-hmm. I would recommend, you know, a notebook binder, mm-hmm. calendar. To me, I've used a variety. I've used the happy planner. I've used the plum Mm. planner. I've used the target version. You know, it doesn't matter. It really Mm. doesn't matter. As long as you have a nice month view where you can write things and block things in, And then I like where you open up the spread and it's a week's worth Mm -hmm. and you have a nice big box for each day where I could record some of the big things that happen. And I use that as a log also, Mm -hmm. um, like a running record of what, what I'm doing on the campus Mm -hmm. file box is essential. My computer, I mean, you just can't live without your computer these days and a tote, like I use a tote bag because I'm traveling, but I also used a tote bag when I was a campus coach also. Mm -hmm. And then something that I use, which might be a little different is I use focus folders. Now a focus folder is pretty much what it sounds like. It's your Manila file folder. Mm -hmm. And when you open it up, it has columns Mm -hmm. and I have two different varieties of focus folders that I use. One is I keep a record of my teachers on one folder Mm -hmm. and I keep kind of a, a feel for where they are in our coaching. Are they collaborative, cautious, hesitant, or reluctant? Mm -hmm. And I keep that. I don't necessarily travel with that. It's just something that I keep for myself so that I can better plan and assist those teachers to work collaboratively on the coaching cycle as we're going through. Mm -hmm. But what I do travel with is I keep folders very similar to that for each teacher's classroom. Mm -hmm. And I have all of the students in the classroom arranged on this folder based solely on data. Okay. So if I'm tasked, if I'm charged with the task of increasing student achievement, I can open up Miss Beltran's folder and I can see where every single child in the classroom is data wise. Mm -hmm. And that helps me. And we have a system that we use on campus where they also, each teacher keeps this folder also, and we're monitoring growth in each and every student at the school. Mm -hmm. So at any time I could be asked about one student in particular, and I will be able to tell you where they're where they're performing.
0: Okay. So then are they you have headers across the top and then their columns and then do you use sticky notes to place the kids in the different yes, columns? Okay. Exactly. You're envisioning that
1: exactly correct. Okay. <laughs> the, the the folder is plain inside mm-hmm. across the top I have my headers and it's mm-hmm. usually based on like we use iStation for our data okay. source. Mm-hmm. So we have the goals at the top and then colored sticky notes based on where they started. So mm-hmm. that kind of gives us a visual picture um, as to kind of like our scoreboard, you know, where we are in each right. classroom of the school. If we have to increase student achievement by 25 percent, you know, that's 25 percent as a whole. But we also want to see that coming mm-hmm. into fruition in all of the classrooms. Mm mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. I like so that. So that's file folders and sticky notes. Mm-hmm. That's I my like big it. investment, Chrissy. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> oh, that's oh, a secret sauce. <laughs> I agree with that. Totally. I, that is right up my alley as well. The other thing that I do, I started to use, I do have a bag that I use and I like it. It's a, um, I got it from JCPenney, and I like it because it doesn't, even if I put a ton of stuff in it, it doesn't hurt my arm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is rare. And so I do use, it's like a, I don't know, like a fake leather bag is a Liz Claiborne bag. And I love it. But I also have a little, whenever I do workshops at a school, I tend to bring a lot of hands-on stuff. Um, books as well, like lots of books, which I don't want to be carrying 20 books on, on my shoulder. So I have the little wheelie cart that I drag around whenever I do workshops at schools. And that has been really helpful, um, for my own spinal alignment. (laughs) Yes, I do.
1: I also have the over, like an oversized purse. And I think the first year I coached, I had the Liz Claiborne, probably similar. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like to shop at the same stores, probably probably similar. (laughs) But now I use like an oversized pink tote from Mm -hmm. Target, and I. I see it and it's pink and it's different. So I can't leave it <laughs> laying in the bathroom floor, you know, right. In strange place in the school, but it's great because when I say oversized, it can fit a file folder inside of the bag, which is great right. because I basically have a mini filing cabinet that I'm carrying from classroom to classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's perfect but going to organizational systems before I forget, because not everybody is a paper and pencil people like you and I, Chrissy. Mm -hmm. And so I want to address digital because digital files, I mean, we're, we're moving quicker and quicker down that alley. Mm -hmm. And I do do all of my, like, I have coaching logs and coaching forms that I have to fill out for my responsibility um, with the grant work that I do. Mm -hmm. And I like to keep, one folder with the, you know, the school year and my job description, what I'm called for, or that grant title, my program. Mm -hmm. And then every file that's in there, I have like a coding system that I use and I start it with the date. So like 2021, and then I do underscore, and then the month. So July 07 underscore the date, you know, 10. So it tells me it's the 200, <laughs> 2021st year, July 10th. And then I code it with whatever the file is. So it might say uh-huh. 2021 710 coaching log, mm-hmm. Seven, you know, and I organize it that way. And the reason I do that is so it comes up chronologically yes. in my folder uh, for my my job. And that seems to work very well for me. Um, and that can work too, like alphabetical for teachers or things like that Mm -hmm. teacher's name first and, and things like that, because there is so many files that we need to perform our, our jobs.
0: Yeah. One thing that I've done to do that same thing, but without being quite as organized is I will just the first, the first thing that I put in each file name is a letter or the number. (laughs) like I'll just number them. So it'll be like one and then it'll be whatever the name of the file is. And then the next one will be two and whatever the name of the file is, but then they pop up in order. Um, Mm -hmm. like I have a folder (laughs) that in my, in my drive, that is literally the, the first the first part of the file name is just AAA because I always wanted that one to come up first, no matter what else I put in that (laughs) file. So it's it's AAA and then it's whatever the name of the file is. Triple A, all the way to the top. Right, that's what happens. And it's easy for me to find too. So that's that's a good tip. Um, You know,
1: back in the day when they used to have um, telephone books, you know, the yellow pages. When you would have your company, you
0: always wanted to be called A1 so you could be at the top of the telephone book as you were saying as soon as you said telephone books I thought a one because that's the landscaper that I called whenever I first had my landscaping (laughs) done as a new homeowner because they said they were a one affordable landscaping I was like that's who I want (laughs) that's who I went with So how do you go about planning for a month of coaching as a traveling coach? Do you plan by the week or do you have like an overarching theme or focus that carries you through the month and then you plan with the days that you have around that theme or what does that look like? Of late, it's mostly been focusing one focus for
1: the month like i was mentioning like with the vocabulary example i'll just stick mm-hmm. with that so we're going to improve in our vocabulary and so the pd theme for that month is going to be vocabulary the model lessons are going to be vocabulary and then the observations and coaching that go around that would also be vocabulary and that that really works for me on those big months when there's a lot of professional development embedded like in october and january like i was mentioning before Mm -hmm. And then when I'm planning, the best way that I have found is that I have a, basically just a Word document that I, I created and I have time slots along the left side. Mm -hmm. And it's from when I'm starting um, my work on campus to when I'm leaving boxed out for my red enchilada lunch. (laughs) And then I, I carry that with me so that the week before I'm coming or the month before I'm coming, I'll have teachers sign up or tell me, hey, I want you to come at this Mm -hmm. time to do the model lesson. Okay, so I have my paper and I'm already blocking and planning the time slots for the teachers because I really try to be as flexible as possible because I want them to collaborate with me and work with Mm -hmm. me. So if I can appease them with the timing, that's perfect. And I have a very supportive administrative administrator who if i'm modeling the lesson i can tell him the topic and the grade level and he can get a lot of the staff to the classroom and get coverage mm-hmm. for all of the teachers so that they can see the model lesson because a lot of these rural school districts you know they you only know what you know and if you've been in that district for 20 years and no outside support has come in Um, you know, teaching practices are not improving. We're just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting Mm -hmm. a different result. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got to make some tweaks and adjustments and modeling lessons is just Mm -hmm. really transform the campuses that I've worked at because of that. Mm -hmm.
0: That's excellent. Have you ever used um, like Calendly or what is it called? Pick date or pick me or pick book date. I don't remember what it's called, but there's different calendar apps, um, where they can just, you can set up your time frames, and then they can select one and sign up. Have you used anything like that? Or do you just go with emails or like a Google form? I have not. No, this
1: is like paper and pencil okay. me with the form with the teachers, but I okay. also work, you know, the teachers that I'm working with are, mm-hmm. they started at that school many years ago and they're mm-hmm. still at that school and they'll be at that school until you bury them, you know? right? right. And, um, it's just, a different setting, you know, here in the city, the turnover is much higher, you know, our generation just moves more often where the older generation, you have one job and you stay in that job. And Mm -hmm. I, I know the statistics are um, totally different now.
0: Well, and I think if it's a rural area, there's not as many choices either, because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking like, I, I mean, you can move from one school to the other and it maybe changes your commute by 10 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> when you're in a city, but if you're in a rural area, you're like, well, I teach elementary school and this is the elementary school. So here I am.
1: <laughs> yes. And so many teachers um, in these rural school districts, they are traveling one mm-hmm. to even two hours to yeah. work every day. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a different environment as every school is.
0: Well, I think that's really good to keep in mind is that you want your, your practices and your tools, obviously you're, you're pushing and you're providing support and you're giving them new ideas, but there are certain things that you can say, look, this is what you're comfortable with. So I'm going to honor that because this is this is not the important part of what we're doing here. The really important part of my work is not getting you to figure out how to book a time on an app. The important part of my work is getting you to grow your practice. So that's where I'm going to do the pushing and this other stuff. That's fine. We can do a paper pencil and it's okay. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And, you know, I can send an email saying, I'm going to be here on this date. What, what time? And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And I just found that having that, um, word document with all of the times and just Mm -hmm. scheduling it that way. It works easier. I can leave them kind of like a doctor's office. I can leave them a sticky note saying this is what you've signed up for. Mm -hmm. And then again, in those weekly check-ins with the teachers, I also leave that reminder, like this is the time we set up that we're meeting. And those, those generic emails that I send, I also copy the administrator on so that they make it to where, I can always meet with the teacher. And what's really nice is having that flexible, um, having that solid relationship with the administrator helps so much because he's willing to watch the class during recess while I can communicate because he values the investment we're making in these teachers. You know, we're trying to build capacity and that's what, what our role is as instructional coaches. And I think having an administrator that just sees that and values that is huge.
0: Yes. Yeah, it is. No matter, no matter what context you're working in, the administrator and coach relationship is, is just foundational to everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so many people kind of, they miss out on that, you know, unfortunately, because that's just not, um, that's not something that is, is really like offered. Like the, the, the administrator may not be on board. They may not really understand um, what what the work is. I actually did an episode um, back in May with uh, Karen and Christy of The Modern Principal, episode 61, and we were talking about how administrators support navigating schools through change and how coaches can be, take a part of that as well. So that's a good one to listen in on if you haven't um, already about about administrators and the kind of role that they serve. And later Mm -hmm. in the season, I'm actually going to talk to Angela Kelly about the administrator coach relationship. And that one should be a really good one too. So, Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. She has a lot of really good insight about administrators because that's what she does. Uh, She Mm -hmm. coaches administrators. So is there anything else that you want to add about organization or systems um, that you think is really essential for coaches to know? Well, I think being a traveling coach, the only last tip
1: that I think is essential is having a spare change of clothes oh. <laughs> in your vehicle. That's a a few note. months ago, I went to work in like the prettiest dress oh, P- no. from Target. It had the layer underneath and a top. <laughs> and you know, when you travel, Chrissy, you wake up at five in the morning because you've got to get to school by the first bell. hmm and you have a disadvantage when the sun is not up because you just can't see through fabric like you Oh can. no. I've done that before. Uh, you know. You know, oh, I'm no. between the lines here, yeah. but let's just say the under was a little darker than the Oh shirt. no. and luckily I you know I just I just decided to to just just proclaim it <laughs> and own it. And we all had a real good laugh and it definitely solidified a lot of relationships that day because, you know, humility is a good thing. Humility is a good thing. Everybody's
0: been (laughs) there. Everybody's been there. I can tell you that. But after
1: that day, I learned next (laughs) to the file box in the back of the SUV is the black pair of pants, slacks Mm -hmm. and a blouse just in case good thinking. (laughs) And if you travel in heels, you got to
0: have a pair of flats, you know, just
1: essential things where you don't know.
0: Yes. You never know. That's a really good point. And especially traveling in a rural rural community where the roads sometimes are not, um, ideal, you know, it's not a bad idea to have some different shoes, (laughs) but
1: even in El Paso, I've, you know, I've been,
0: I've been sick on the way
1: to work before and Uh it happens, you know, and (laughs) when you're, like I always had to commute in El Paso. I never lived in the neighborhood where I worked. Mm-hmm. So 20 minutes later, you have a situation, you know, it's hard <laughs> to get home
0: to, uh, to your closet. So yes, you do a- an emergency coaching kit, I think is always really helpful to have, yes. um, where, you know, where you have the basics like you would have in the classroom and then maybe a couple other things as well. <laughs> exactly.
1: Your standard deodorant, mint. Right. you know, right. those self-care all... ideas. Yes. Yes.
0: So, if coaches only walk away with one idea from this whole episode, what do you think that it should be? I
1: think it's essential that a coach knows their role with clear expectations because Mm -hmm. that allows them to properly organize their work. Mm -hmm. You can have as many systems and structures as you want, but if they are not aligned to the expectation, you're going to be in quite a huge bind. Mm -hmm. I've been in both situations where I've had a clear expectation where I felt confident in what I've known what to do and have been able to carry that out with great success. But I've also been in a situation where I thought I was clear and I thought I understood. And as the year went on, the role evolved into something that was not presented in the same way at the beginning, the role Mm -hmm. changed Mm -hmm. and I was still carrying out my role as I was presented it in the beginning. And that's why that checking back often is so essential because it ultimately comes down to if you're fulfilling the vision. And a lot of times it's not the vision you see. Mm-hmm. For instance, I was a math and science coach at a campus and I had, I was tasked with building a science program. And I thought the solution to... <laughs> to increasing student achievement was building a passion around math and science in the whole school community, starting in the preschool Mm -hmm. and going all the way up to our sixth grade classrooms. And I felt that we were putting slowly the pieces all all together, but then testing season came upon us Mm -hmm. and the role shifted and there was some disconnect there and it caused a lot of issues.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: sadly, you know, that that damages relationships because you don't have that clear vision. And that's that was one of the biggest lessons I learned very on in my instructional coaching was you can have the best program. And I still to this day feel that building a program is going to solve a lot of problems instead of just addressing one grade level for one school year, because Mm -hmm. that issue is going to keep presenting itself if We're not, you know, all of a sudden we're going to teach science because it's fifth grade and we have a state assessment coming. Well, if right. they've never been exposed to science ever, how are you going to have 100% of your students passing? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that just doesn't work. It doesn't mm-hmm. add up. So checking back with your administrator and just making sure you're very clear in your role, because ultimately they're the
0: ones that, that decide your success. hmm Yeah, that's right. And if you're traveling, they're the ones who will decide if you come back next year. (laughs) Yes. And that's,
1: you know, with this grant work, Mm -hmm. there's always opportunities for additional grants or for the grant to be carried through. And you, you know, as a person that just wants to do their absolute best because we're impacting students, you know, that's right that's really sometimes where we miss the boat is we forget that we're serving the students. It's not about the teachers. It's not about the administrators. We're really improving our students' futures. Mm -hmm. And so the more we can just work together as a team and do that, the the better it is. You know, you don't have to be extreme in all this stuff. We just need to be consistent. Mm -hmm. And we need to have that consistent um, vision with clear expectations.
0: Yes. That's perfect. That's having a really good understanding of your role and expectations is foundational to any coaching work at all. And so I think that's a really great takeaway that people could walk away with today. Um, how can people find you online if they want to learn more or follow you or see your resources? Well, wonderful.
1: You can find me online at Downriver Resources. And I'm very active on Instagram. I love sharing photographs of the um, book recommendations I have, which you could do your book pass strategy. If you haven't (laughs) heard of Chrissy's book pass strategy, Um, you could collect all the math books you've ever dreamed of with the recommendations that I share ideas for conceptual understanding, which you can use in instructional coaching, as well as in the math
0: classroom. So downriver resources, Chrissy. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here today. I think that this is a really nice conversation for people who are trying to kind of frame how they could approach their work this year. So thank you for sharing all of your ideas.
1: Well, thanks so much, Chrissy. I hope everyone has a great year. Keep afloat.
0: (laughs) That was so good. Laura have so many good suggestions about what we can do to really stay organized and simple. You know, we want to keep our systems simple whenever we're going from school to school. And really we want to keep them simple, even if we're not. So I'm really glad that Laura joined us today to talk about that. And I hope you check her out online. She shares a lot of really good content in her Instagram stories. Um, She talks a lot about uh, math strategies and also some about her instructional coaching work. So I want you to check those out because there's so much good content in there. Next week, I have one of your favorite guests to chat with me. I'm talking to Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching and Teaching. Nicole and I co-host a coaching membership together. That's a coffee and coaching membership. And we're going to talk about how coaches can create a coaching community with other instructional coaches. One of the biggest issues that we know coaches face is isolation and loneliness and just being on your own. And it can be so hard to be in that position in between teachers and administration and not to have an ally in either place. So I wanna talk to Nicole about this. We're gonna talk about how you can create your own coaching community. How do you deal with loneliness and isolation? What are some strategies that she can share that will help us doing this hard work every single day? That's gonna be episode 70, where I talk to Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching and Teaching, and that is next week. Until then, happy coaching! Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching!